Hi, welcome to the Urban Lifestyle Report, and I'm your host, Carolyn Morris Walker. My Legacy Project, Urban Lifestyle Report, and I'm your host, Carolyn Morris Walker. This is a platform to exemplify Blacknificence and Black excellence. Today, today is a special day, as I have the phenomenal Brittany Habib as my guest, who is the co-founder of Girl Powered, that is a hip-hop gymnastic program meant to build self self-esteem, self-love, and confidence specifically for young girls who identify as Black. She's also a beautiful professional African contemporary dancer, a producer, and she was ranked as one of the top five gymnasts in Canada. So without a doubt, Brittany exemplifies Blacknificence and Black excellence. And I'm so happy that she's here with me today. You know, I'm always delighted when I meet people in my community who are doing amazing and outstanding work in a plethora of areas as educators, creators, influencers, game changers, entrepreneurs, innovators, artists, founders, change makers, and they are igniting, building, and transforming our community in a variety of ways. And they are engaging in these activities full-time, part-time, as a side hustle, and making their passion and vision come to life. And I believe the community needs to hear about you, Brittany Habib. Thank you for being here, my love. Thank you for having me. It's uh, an absolute pleasure to be here with you, to be acknowledged, to be seen. Um, it brings me joy and I'm, I'm beyond grateful to be able to share my story with you. Thank you for creating a platform like this. It's a pleasure and I'm going to share, indulge me, how we met. Yes, please. <laughs> Last summer, I went to an event called the Rose Picnic. And so it would happen, the Black-owned Unity Marketplace was happening at the same time, in the same place, at a different location. So I was in my glory. So after doing my Rose Picnic thing, I said, I better run over to the Black-owned Unity Market. Let's have a look. But I had limited time. So I'm zooming through the marketplace, aisle by aisle, and I stop and I see you and I'm like, oh, who is this young lady? Let me stop and chat her up. <laughs> so you tell me about G-Powered and I ask you your name. You tell me your name and I have this moment. I, I actually call it a full circle moment for me, Brittany, because then I realize I know your mom and dad. Right. <laughs> Isn't that something? 
odds the odds of that you just you never know when you're gonna bump into someone you know it's really like right place right time good energy and and that's really what it was and I was just so thrilled you, you gave me so much joy that day it's so awesome for me to chat with you and for you to share your story with me and for the audience to hear as well I would like to start with your gymnastics background, if I may. Are you good with that? Absolutely. How old were you when you became involved in gymnastics? Tell us the story about that. I started gymnastics at 19 months old. (laughs) Wow. As soon as my mother had little girls she said the first thing they are doing is starting gymnastics so my sister started at probably three then i came two years later and she started me even sooner as soon as i was able to walk she put me into that gym (laughs) and is this because your mom was interested absolutely uh she was uh one of those mothers that uh adored gymnastics you know watched it on the the olympics the internet this and that and it was a sport that she always wanted to partake in and just financially never got the ability to actually do gymnastics i mean gymnastics being a predominantly caucasian and asian sport because it's so expensive it's very rare to find a black girls in gymnastics. So that was definitely one of the barriers that she wanted to break. So whether if I liked it or not, (laughs) I was in gymnastics for the long run. (laughs) I love it. So tell us your story. Wow. It's a, it's a very deep, it's a very personal story, but I am definitely willing to share that. And any questions that you might have for me and you want to, dive in a little deeper. I'm, I'm very open to this. I started at 19 months old, Carolyn, and I showed talent. I showed talent almost immediately. By the time I was three, my mother would tell me that I would be doing cartwheels across the floor, like fume, 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 just doing cartwheels, this little baby just flipping around on the floor in this little group. And it was just this innate talent that I had within me. And honestly, I was just blessed. I was blessed by the above, by the Lords, by the spirits. I was merely a vessel. I was just a vessel coming through me with this natural ability that I was blessed with. And to be honest with you, at the beginning, I loved gymnastics. You know, my sister was in it and like any little sister, you want to do everything your big sister's doing. So the fact that we had each other and we were always the two only black girls in the gym, you know, (laughs) it was, it was nice to balance each other off that way. And Of course, it it definitely helped that I showed a lot of talent from a very young age. I mean, by the time I hit seven years old, I had this coach called Sulin. And Sulin was straight from China and she knew her stuff. I mean, she was tough. She was firm. She was all these things, Carolyn. But she also believed in me and she showed me love. And... As I talk through this uh, conversation with you, that's something that I'm going to go back to often is love. That is my love language. It's what pushes me. It's what drives me. It's what gives me faith. It's what gives me hope. It's what 
drives my soul. So even though she was... I love that. Love language. Oh, sorry. Keep going. I'm sorry. No, I want you to jump in whenever you feel. <laughs> so Sulin brought my gymnastics up within a probably six years old, seven years old, she took my gymnastics to a different level. I mean, for my gymnasts out there, uh, the type of things that I was doing was like connecting three back handsprings in a row on the beam, one, two, three, on a four inch beam. I had perfect cast to handstands. I had pressed to handstands in a row. I mean, I was, I was going to be something and Sulin knew this. Now, what had happened was something happened. I don't know the details. They don't talk to kids. <laughs> but um, Sulin had to leave on the drop of a dime. And that was very heavy for me because even though she was tough on me, there was something else there that allowed me to want to be my best self in a sense. And so very, very Shortly after Sulin left, my gymnastics started to go a little bit downhill. <laughs> and um, I started to see, no matter how hard I worked in this beautiful sport, as a young Black girl, I was going to be treated differently. And this started from the age of seven years old, where I, for the first time in my life, I experienced racism and discrimination with one of my Caucasian athlete uh, friends. And... I, I just wanted to interject. Go ahead. You didn't feel that with Su Lin as your coach? No, I, I, I did not. And, and I go back to that sense of love because when someone has that sense of love for you, there's also a sense of protection. And that's why it's so powerful. And as soon as Su Lin left, my protection was gone. And with almost every owner's, you know, in this gymnastics field, being a Caucasian owner, um, I didn't have that protection anymore. And things started to be kind of wary. So when incidences like this started arising, Carolyn, I'm going to get pretty deep now. I started to really not like gymnastics that much. And I started to not like gymnastics that much that one day I was on my way to a competition. And I remember making up a pain, just kind of making up a pain. And it was, it was giving me attention. And so as the attention started growing, I was like, this is great. So then I started crying. And so then I started snowballing this somewhat fake pain to grasp attention from my mom and what's wrong, you know, kind of that sense of coddling because I never got that before, right? So when it comes to something like this, seems pretty serious. So this coddling was something that I really liked. And I thought maybe, just maybe this might be able to get me out of gymnastics. Because at this point with Su Lin gone and seeing racism and discrimination from such a young age, I didn't want to be here anymore. Now, the power of the mind, the power of your heart and your soul, the power of manifestation. I say this because this make-believe pain that I started to create on my way to one competition actually became something really serious. The pain actually became a real pain. Every time I breathed, Carolyn, <gasps> this immediate sharp pain right underneath my breastbone started to formulate. Where could this have come from? This makes no sense. She's this healthy, high-level athlete. You know, this makes no sense. 
Let's just try an x-ray. Let's try a cat skin. Let's do another cat skin. Let's have her drink the dyes. Now I'm all of a sudden going back and forth to these hospitals because something's actually not looking right. Finally, results come in, Carolyn. I have cancer. <gasps> yeah. So immediately I'm rushed to six sick kids hospital, which everyone knows that's where the special cases go <laughs> for immediate attention. And I am rushed into the emergency room to do a biopsy because it looks like I have lymphoma. And this is the reason why I really can't breathe right now. This, this is the power of manifestation. I have to keep saying this because I started this and I'm, I'm serious about this. I didn't know my power. I didn't recognize my power. Um, and this is where it led to. So now I'm in emergency surgery to get this biopsy done and they end up getting the results back and then great news they they realize it is just scarred tissue beautiful it is not cancerous so we are good now but with the doctors with these scientists and everything there they want to keep me there because they don't understand how this could have just developed where it came from so now i'm in this hospital bed with tubes down my throat all in my nose sitting in this bed ivs everywhere stuck like this almost like I'm dying. I can't move. And then I make this decision and I'm like, would I rather do gymnastics or be a sickly child? <laughs> there you go. Right. And it was, it was in that moment sitting there with the tubes down my throat and all over my body that I said, I choose gymnastics. And Right after I made that decision, you know, my dad, you know, I just remember him coming into the room and being like, okay, we're done. No more tests. You guys keep fishing for something. You're not finding anything. I'm done with the surgeries. You're not seeing anything. I'm taking her out of this hospital right now. And just like that, I was taken out of the hospital and I chose gymnastics. I, I chose gymnastics. I chose the very, very difficult and hard path that I think subconsciously I knew I, I had ahead of me. The journey, the journey really started. The journey really started from there. Wow, Brittany, that is a very powerful piece that you've just shared with us. And at such a young age, to understand the power of manifestation. Yes. In your healing, your wellness, your frame of mind, deep. Thank you. Yes, I know. And it's, it's crazy because people don't think that kids know a lot of things. And sometimes we don't think we know either. But the power and the pureness that we have is so deep. It's so deep. And it's so powerful and it's so beautiful if you have someone that can understand it and harness it in the right way. And it's not tainted, right? It's not tainted. That's right. That's right. So you, you've now chosen gymnastics. What is the trajectory of your gymnastics career? Su Lin sent a note from China that said if by this day, this time, this year, she is not doing and she had a list of skills for me, I need to move to a different gym. So my mom being the good old gym mom that she was living vicariously through me, <laughs> did her research and took me to another gym. And the next gym on the list was East George Gymnastics Club. And I went there and previous to this, I was not yet in an actual competitive level. It was more 
invitational meets where you can show how amazing your skills were. So now I was really jumping into real gymnastics level. And at this time there was level one, level two, level three, and then you can go national stream. So I had jumped level one and two and went right into level three because the natural ability I had allowed me to just shoot up that fast for my first competition. <laughs> girl, I was gonna say, it's all about that black girl magic though. We know it's that melanin magic. Absolutely. It's in our DNA. Thank you. It's exactly what it is. It's exactly what it is. And you know, the girls at East York were extremely talented. You know, they were known for their grace, their beauty, uh, for winning everything. They took the reins for this. And obviously, Brittany Habib was nowhere in that runnings to become qualifying for anything big. But fast forward to through those years, and I actually was the provincial champion for the level three division in my age. Wow. And how old were you then, Brittany? I believe at this point I probably was 11. I would say about 11, 12. So I yeah, jumped right into there. And of course, no one expected Brittany Habib to even be placing, but to win it was quite shocking to a lot of people, a lot of people. Wow. And as an 11-year-old, there weren't many girls that looked like you, I would imagine. Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, I was already developed. I had nice, beautiful breasts. You know, I, not, none of my teammates had any. So not only was my body different, my hair is different, my skin tone is different. And that was probably another reason why a lot of people didn't expect me to be to be able to do anything because that typical body with the you know, the rock, the rock solid abs and all this and all then the tonation and all that stuff. I had a beautiful body, but at this point I definitely didn't have the abs like my teammate had and the this and the that. So it was quite shocking for me to come there and to surpass those females, those young girls who had been training at this really intense level gym for their whole life. And when I got back to that gym, because obviously the next level would have been the nationals, we there was a new coach that came in that looked at me, looked at my body, looked at who I was and said, um, you're not national level material. I will not be training you for the nationals. I will take your teammate right here, my Caucasian teammate who didn't place, who fell and who did not make it. He said, I'll be taking her and the other girl, two Caucasian teammates, and I'll be training them for nationals, but not you because you've reached your plateau. You're not good enough to go any further. And um, that's just the way that it's going to be. So I'm sitting here confused because Carolyn, I just won the biggest competition in the province. I've outnumbered all of my teammates. And this coach is telling me, I'm not going to train you. You can stand and watch, but I'm not going to teach you anything. So I'm confused. Rude. How rude and out of order. That's right. Absolutely. And after this, Carolyn, um, he started treating, my sister was at the gym as well, started treating us, the two black girls, very differently, um, not allowing us to warm up on the same floor as the other athletes, because say we came late, 
he all of a sudden made this new rule that we weren't allowed to practice in the same warm-up gym as the rest of the team. And sorry, by 12 years old, I experienced my very first interrogation by a white man. I was pulled into a separate room around the corner in an office that I've never seen in my life. There was one wooden chair in there. He locked the door behind him and went into that room and chastised me and yelled at me and screamed at me and accused me of being a liar, of um, being unjust, and of just being a not good person because my mother had noticed that he was not training me with these national level skills. And so she had me try out at another gym. And so he found out about that tryout and brought me around the corner, which doesn't make sense to me, to interrogate me and to chastise me in a, in a little wooden room with just me and him alone. How inappropriate. And why would he be having that kind of a conversation with the child and not with the parent? Thank you very much. Can you please repeat that question? Why would he be having that conversation with a child and not the parent? Because at the end of the day, your mom's paying for this service. It's not like you're going for free. Thank you very much. And furthermore, it's not like Brittany got to make that decision. It's my parents running my life. It's not a 12-year-old saying, Mom, this is what I want to do. I'm not doing that. So for him to think that that was okay was utterly disrespectful and absolutely not okay. So at the end of this interrogation, I was kicked out of the gym. I had to take every single item out of my locker, clean it out, and I didn't have a ride because obviously this is the beginning of practice. Uh, my parents aren't around because they're working. Um, I was not allowed on the premises of the gym. I had to figure out a way to get home with my sister and that was the end of that. I was kicked out of the gym. Wow, Brittany, this is such a story. The trials and tribulations. And around what time was this? Was this the late 80s, 90s? Now would have been early 2000s. I think it was year 2000 that I won the provincial championships. So now we're like 2002, 2001, 2002. Yeah. Tell us about some of your triumphs in this uh, gymnastics world. I, I am, I am going to share a lot of my triumphs, but it has to come with the truth too. For real? We want it all, you know, this is, this is your story. This is our conversation. You, you tell us what you want us to know, girl. Go ahead. Right. So once we left that gym and I was on my way to the next gym, I ended up making it into the national stream. And by 2003, I was national senior junior high performance. By the end of that year, I was ranked third in the country in the junior division. Brap, how you mean? <laughs> yes, and again, out of nowhere, you know, out of nowhere because most girls are training at the national stream from a very young age. I didn't have this. So once again, for Brittany Habib to jump in to this national junior level, cause I would have skipped national pre-novice and national, national novice. So I'm jumping into the junior category. 
out of nowhere, and I end up coming third in the country. Third. <laughs> so, again, my journey being a lot more difficult than any other athlete, I wasn't able to stay in the junior category any longer because I was already too old. So I had to jump with the big dogs. I was right away going into the national senior category. And that first year, I had to jump into the senior division. And it was a big year because now we are in 2004. And 2004 means the Olympics. Every four years, we hit the Olympics. And that is Britney's goal, the Olympics. So... Again, I'm thrown into this category and no one has any expectation of me, neither myself. You know, I'm just in the runnings, doing my thing. By the end of that year, I ended up coming top 10 in the country for my first year in the senior national category. This is extra special because top 10 athletes get to try out for the Olympics. <laughs> yes. This is astounding and it's like my hard work is paying off and i'm so grateful who would have thought it would have come that fast you know all the different gyms the racism the discrimination hard work is paying off for the first time carolyn so i'm on the podium and i have my little ribbon and i'm like you know they're announcing things i just i'm just so ecstatic you know i can't believe this and I, i'm walking around the stadium and gymnastics canada and the canadian committee comes up to my parents and i and says hey coach come over here we want to have a conversation with you and they say i know Brittany habib has come top 10 um we're not gonna allow her to try out for the olympics what do you mean that's what we said. <laughs> and they said, yeah, like I know the rules in black and white say top 10 get to try out, but we're not going to take her. We're going to take number 11 on the list because um, we weren't we weren't really watching her. She, she just she got, you know, she got good too fast. And so I don't long story short, we're just not going to take her that, that we're just not going to take her. So, uh, you know, we're sorry to tell you this and pull you aside right here. She's not going to get the opportunity to try out for the Olympics. I, I have no words. So what happens next? Where, where do we go with that? Well, what are the next steps? Unfortunately, Carolyn, I am now seeing my place. I saw my place as a young black girl. Now I'm seeing my place as a young black woman on the Canadian national gymnastics team. I'm seeing it again. No matter how good you are, no matter how good you train as a black girl representing your country, racism and discrimination is going to be following me my whole life. Now I'll jump ahead to some of my amazing accomplishments. I was at the Pan Am Championships in Brazil and I got a bronze medal uh, with my team. I went to the Commonwealth Games in Australia, finishing third as well, getting that bronze for Team Canada. I went to the World Championships in 06 in Denmark and did what I needed to do. And I've represented my country in over nine countries. I've been to over nine countries in a span of three years. And I've medaled, I've come first, I have made event finals, I have made a very beautiful segue for Brittany Habib. So for any, any part of Team Canada or 
anything for them to say, you know, Brittany Habib's not this or Brittany Habib's not that. There's something called a point system. And every international competition that you go to, and if you do well at, you start gaining points. So here's another little tricky thing. The amount of money you have and the more money you have really means the more points you can get. Because if your parents have enough money to send you to a country every single month, that's the more points you're accumulating. So that's something else that's important to hear and to understand. But um, with my point system being so high because I'm placing and I'm doing so well in these international countries, I actually ended up becoming a Canadian senior national high performance carded athlete, which means Canada gave me money to represent this sport. Wow, Brittany. Again, awesomeness. Exceptional. Blacknificence. Thank you. Yes. Black excellence. Even in the face of all of these challenges to try and stymie you, you rose up. Thank you. And it was like, bram, in your face. <laughs> Right. And, you know, the sad thing, Carolyn, is that it was not just the gymnastics committee. It was also my own coach, my very own coach that I choose essentially my second mother. I was spending 30, 35, 36 hours a week with her for five years. And for those five years, I was mentally abused, emotionally abused. I mean, we just were never on the same page. And it was, I still get nightmares from her today because I've never been able to live up to her expectations. And once again, my language being love, that was something that she never provided me with. And for everyone else out there listening and that wants to do this controversy thing with me, um, she had love to give every other athlete who was white and I'm not dumb and I can see that. You can see someone hugging someone, kissing them, squeezing them when something beautiful is happening and that just never happening for me. And I thought, you know, going internationally and placing and getting these medals would allow her to see my talent, to appreciate me, to give me a little bit of love, to give me a hug, to say, great job, Brittany. And it never, never, never happened. And it had such a terrible effect on who I am as a person. I've never thought I was good enough, never thought I was pretty, never thought I should have been competing at this level because she always, always made me feel less than. And she did her job to prove that I was always less than every single day. And that was really, really, really hard to deal with that everywhere I turned at this high level, I didn't have any type of support. The evidence-based data said otherwise by your point system. That's right. You know what, Brittany, I wanted to ask you this. When you were traveling in these competitions, I know as on the Canadian team, there were no Black girls like yourself. Did you see Black girls? on the international front while you were traveling to competitions? No, 
the only black girl that I ever remember seeing was at the Pan Am cha- the Pan Am Championships in Brazil. Brazil had this one athlete, and her name was Diane dos Santos, and <laughs> she was outstanding. Like she went onto that floor and she flipped and she did her thing and. She was amazing. And that was the only ever black gymnast that I saw that made a presence that made me feel like, wow, like I was just so happy to see her doing her thing. And it was a blessing to see someone who looked like you. That's it. One, one person that I remember in my career internationally that ever looked like me. And how long was your career in gymnastics, Brittany? My goodness. After my national years, I ended up getting a full scholarship to the University of Nebraska. So I I competed out there for four years um, out there. And so I would say my career ended after Nebraska, after my scholarship. So that probably would have been 22-ish or so. 22 years. Yes, 22, 23, I think. And was that a conscious choice for you that you were done? How did, what triggered that? What was the catalyst that you said, all right, 22 years? Mm. So I, th- I think a lot of, a, a lot of what people don't fully understand is that the peak years for gymnastics is typically 16 through 19 years old. And they call it women's gymnastics, but it's far from that. We are young girls. We are little girls. And for the peak years to be 16 through 19, scholarship is really that next best thing because gymnastics is not a professional sport, especially being in Canada, even when I was a carded athlete, it didn't even cover the amount of money that it costed monthly for me to train. It didn't even cover that. So there was not a professional field, so to say, that I could have even gone to. So the fact that I got a full scholarship, I did everything I possibly could with with gymnastics. I mean, obviously, my goal was the Olympics. Canada stole that dream from me. Uh, So what else could I have possibly done? That transition was just the next thing that was in line. And what I ended up doing was using the talents that I still had and practicing dance. I, 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 I went straight into dance right after. Oh, what a beautiful segue. So let's talk about your African contemporary dancings. Let's talk about it. Yes. Okay. Well, dance is a lot deeper for me than just joining any type of dance. It is, it is a connection for me. It is an art that allowed Britney to find Britney. Previous to dancing, I was soulless. I was, as I say, as I said before, I was just a vessel. I was not in my body. I was just walking talent, which is actually pretty dangerous because that means my conscious, everything was not in me as I was training gymnastics. And to be frank with you, I quite regret those national years because I was never my best self. And it's impossible to be your best self when you don't know yourself, when you don't embrace yourself, when you don't love yourself, when you don't know your culture, when you don't understand your blackness, when you don't understand your power. And I was doing this national level gymnastics, not knowing any of that. 
and was still outstanding. Well, I, I appreciate that. But I, I mean, I don't say that, but I, I appreciate But, you know, just think about it, though. Imagine having all of that and doing your talent, your craft with that power. And even though you didn't have that, you were exceptional. Come on. I, I, I truly appreciate that. It's, 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 um, it's hard for me to even say thank you to this because I don't see that. I, I look at those YouTube videos and I, I'm quite embarrassed. I am so embarrassed because I guess I, I go back to that feeling that I had when I was competing, just this lowness that I had towards myself, this, I shouldn't be here. I'm not good enough. I, I don't look good. I don't, it was just, I never felt like I fit in because everywhere I went, they made sure to emphasize that you don't fit in Brittany. So dance for me connected me to my culture. And that's where that African contemporary comes in because the moment I heard that first djembe, the moment my bare foot touched that floor the moment that that connection vibrated through my body, I started to find myself. And it was such a beautiful thing. It was the first time I recognized blackness. It was the first time I was in a space where I'm proud of my body and my, my big breasts. You know, I'm proud of the curls sticking up towards that sky and defying gravity. I started learning about who Brittany really was and what I really stand for. So dance for me, I repeat, is more than just dance. Dance is a connection. Dance is a reminder. Dance is what helped me get to my best self. I love that. And, and I think what's also integral is this connection between the embracing of your natural hair and understanding how beautiful it was and seeing ourselves as being beautiful in our Blackness and dance is what encompassed that for you. That's right. I mean, learning about spirituality, learning about ancestors, learning about the deep-rooted meaning of where our dance comes from, it all it was all born. You want to share some of the performances that you've done? I uh, did a lot of performances with the next edition when they were up and doing dances and performances and shows. I was a part of Ballet Creole. I did some performances with them. I have I was in the Fall for Dance North Festival with Ache Productions. It was called Obia Opera, which was at the Sony Center. So that was quite outstanding to be a part of something so magical, so spiritual, so deep. Um, I've done a plethora of performances just on my own as an independent artist, you know, going to events and parties and, you know, whatever's needed. I've, I've done some really beautiful performances that way. And the journey continues, you know, I just, whenever opportunities come up and it's, it's a, it's a story that really resonates with me because again, I don't take advantage of my dance. My dance is very intentional. So when I'm a part of a project, I have to make sure I understand it. I have to make sure there's an important message and I have to make sure that it's standing for the right things. I'm not auditioning for any Tom, Dick and Harry performance. You know, I, I, <laughs> 
I, I'm very big and intentional on knowing that a big part of my purpose is sharing important messages. And these messages are being shared through dance, through movement, through art, through performances. And I, I don't take advantage of that. Oh, that's such a beautiful thing. I have to share with you. Uh, if I could have gone back in time, I would have been a dancer. I've always loved dance. I took dance classes um, with George Randolph Studios. Every summer, I'd go to New York, visit with my family. We'd take classes at Alvin Ailey Studio. But when I was coming up, there was not that there were not those kinds of opportunities, right, where dance was a respected um, profession. And so, interestingly, my son is a dancer. He does contemporary hip-hop infused with jazz. He travels all over the world. He's in competitions. And I think because of my influence, he's living my dream of being a dancer and he gets the best of all worlds yeah for me dance is the power of the music and the movement is when i am at my most joyous self yes yes beautiful we're gonna talk about girl power well, you're the co-founder of this hip-hop gymnastics program to build self-love, self-esteem, uh, confidence, specifically for girls who identify as Black. And after hearing the gymnastics story, this all comes together. It melds. We, we have an understanding what was the driver. So let's speak about Girl Powered. And before you go on, I have come to one I did come a little bit late which saddens me I know <laughs> I know next time you'll be early next time you'll be early <laughs> yeah but tell us about girl powered of course so exactly what you said. It is a hip hop gymnastics program meant to build self-esteem and self-love for young girls who identify as black. You know, listening to my story, it was, it was needed and crucial for me to create a safe and sacred space for young black girls to love themselves. I needed to create a space that I never had growing up. And black people are phenomenal. We have natural abilities, we have natural talent, we are phenomenal people. And when we have a platform, uh, a room, a, a space to be able to excel, that's when we know we can become our best selves. Now, once again, reiterating gymnastics being predominantly Asian, and Caucasian, there are not many black people in this sport because it's so expensive and black people look different. We tend to go through puberty a lot sooner than our friends. Our bodies are shaped very differently, you know, big busted, thicker thighs, big bums. And that's a beautiful thing. But with the majority of these Caucasian, Caucasian owners and 
the majority of the coaches being either Eastern European or white, they look at a black body and right off the top say, nope, push them aside because gymnastics is about aesthetics. The way that you look is a very important and the look that they are looking for is the look of a Caucasian body. Black girls will never fit that. But Simone Biles? Yeah, you got it, Simone Biles. She defied that. Thank you. Right? She defied all of that. Um, the Misty Copeland, the ballerina, she defies that, those ideas. I, I apologize. I don't know this skater's name. She was an African girl. She was a national skater. She did stuff on the ice that they're just doing now, and they would disqualify her for doing these triple, double things that are now a part of the program. And she speaks about it. So when you hear the stories about us in these spaces and places where there generally are white framework and the whole idea we're not in those places, and then there's one of us or two of us, and when we get there, we're outstanding, but we don't get celebrated for it. That's right. Thank you. And girl-powered... Is, is counteracting all of that. Yes, thank you very much. We are, we are changing the name of the game and we are providing opportunities for beautiful young black girls of all skin tones and all body types to become their best self. And I use gymnastics, I use dance as a means of building their self-esteem and building their self-love and truly allowing them to get connected to their culture. A lot of the dance that we do is very cultured dance. We are doing West African dancing. We are doing dance hall. Right now, these girls are in what is called Afrikor. So they are getting so rooted in culture and understanding who they are on such a depth level that regardless of if they want to become national level gymnasts, yes, I love that. I, I really want that. But if they don't want to, they are becoming their best selves and really understanding who they are from the root. It's such an honor to be able to be the co-founder of something so deep, so special, so pure, and to hear parents just be so grateful for a space that has allowed their child to flourish and to take up space because it's very sad, but you know, we, we have opened our program to different races from time to time, you know, bringing in a Caucasian girl or an Asian girl and, you know, our beautiful black girls are there and this Caucasian girl would come in, never been to my program before and not wearing the team leotard because my girls are all a team. We all have to wear the same thing. She comes into this drop-in class, walks to the front and says, I'll be the leader today. I will do it. I'm so good at gymnastics. Let me lead this whole program today. And while I appreciate <laughs> her extra tenacity, she's never been a part of my program before. So kindly, it's 
almost a little bit sad to me that these beautiful black girls who have been a part of my program for, I don't know, say a full eight week session. And the one time this white girl comes into the program, what I was just building for these beautiful black girls has been shut down because the white girl comes in and pushes them aside and says, I'm the best at this. Let me lead this. Actually, this girl has been a part of the program for the past eight weeks. She knows the way that we do things. She's going to lead so you can follow. And my beautiful black girls, when something like this happens, their head goes down and they just stare at the floor and they don't say anything. So that's just proof to show that our beautiful black girls need this space to take up space because white girls, they have that. They have this sense of entitlement and they're the best and they're, you know, they're bossy and they're this and that. And while that's beautiful, I need my black girls to be comfortable enough to do that too, because they are just that good or better. Right? Wow. And we do know this is fact that the images of us are often negative. We are not spoken about when we look at fashion, when we look at models, uh, that darker skinned black girl perhaps is very absent. The roles of us in films are often not those of power and success. And yet we are owning our stories. We are creating our own places and spaces to ensure that there are images of us for our young Black girls. I mean, even down to dolls. When I was growing up, there weren't any Black dolls, right? We're in a great place when we have programs like Girl Powered. It resonates. And I believe that the girls of your program, and they're young, this is foundational for them. This is when they're 20, 30, 40 years from now. This is what's building their character. This is what's giving them the swagger. When they walk in with their heads up and shoulders back and like, yes, I'm here. That's right. How old are your girls? in this program? Uh, my program uh, typically starts at four or five years old and it goes all the way up. Saturdays are typically our gymnastics only days. Sundays are typically our dance days. During COVID, we had moved everything to the online platform. But now in this fall session, uh, there was a strong want to do some in-person programming. So very um, cautiously, I've, I've opened up a safe space for just a very limited amount of girls. And so we have started our in-person programming, which is pretty amazing. It was just a blessing to see my girls again after so many months, to see them all in that leotard, to just see a group of young Black girls in gymnastics leotards. What a vision. What a vision to see something like this. I mean, what joy that is to, to create a space like that. I mean, our whole lives, we are the minority. Everywhere we go, school, swimming lessons, piano lessons, everywhere we go, we're the minority. And this is that one place for two hours or one hour where it's all about us. And that within itself is already fueling something good. So cool. Are there any boys in your classes? Sometimes we have co-ed classes. 
Yeah, sometimes we do co-ed classes. I have two brothers that I have do, been doing private lessons with me for a few years now. And, you know, mom just loves that, the way of which I teach them because they are biracial boys. So just being able to get that sense of culture and pushing that beautifulness within them it's just such a magical thing. So it's, it's, it's really a blessing. It's really a blessing to be working with these beautiful kids. Oh, wow. I'm going to switch to something completely different. Your knitting. Oh, my goodness. I've been slacking, Carolyn. I've been slacking. <laughs> what does knitting do for you? Would the joy of knitting, share that, share a little piece of that with us. To be completely honest, I love fall wear. I love sweaters. I love layering. I love all these things. And I love knitted sweaters. Like they are just, you go to a store, they're gorgeous. They're normally very expensive. And I just thought, maybe I could try this. I don't know why. I just thought maybe I could try this. And I started and I started with a gorgeous scarf. And then it went to a gorgeous toque. And then it grew into this gorgeous cardigan. And to be honest with you, it was just the joy of being able to wear something that I made that was just outstanding. Like the feeling and the joy of being able to create something and wear your own creation. It was amazing. Now, if I go back to the pricing thing, <laughs> knitting is actually a very expensive hobby. So it wasn't any better that I picked up this instead of just buying the sweaters. It was really just about that sense of feeling prideful about wearing something that I made stitch by stitch. <laughs> and it's an accomplishment. And I, I feel that it fulfills you. Yeah, I just wanted to throw that in there, your knitting, because I realized that you were a woman of so many talents and wanted to speak to that. Words of encouragement, motivation, inspiration for people who are listening to the podcast. What do you have to say? Main thing is everything starts with you. Loving yourself, knowing yourself, trusting yourself. And if you want to be your best self, you have to start with those steps. Tell us three words you would use to describe yourself. Hmm. And it doesn't have to be three, but. Okay. Okay. I would use bold. Why? Um, I don't know. I feel like even though I might be nervous to do things, like I just go into it with this boldness and people see that as confident on the outside. Like it just seems like bold, like almost like fearless, like look at her just doing these things. And I, I think I would use both words, um, bold and fearless, because a lot of things scare me. Like I'm being completely transparent right now. A lot of things scare me, but I still do them. So definitely bold, definitely fearless in that sense, because I'm terrified of a lot of things. But <laughs> another word that I would use is creative. I'm creative and I'm spiritual. I, I'm, I'm, I'm very big into spirituality and, and culture and 
those are a, a few of the things that I would say truly describes who I am as a person. I love that. And you're all of those things because I feel your energy. I always feel you. I felt your energy the first time I met you. Yes. Yes. Thank you. So how do people get in contact with you in terms of girl power? They, they are hearing the story. They want their sons, their daughters to be involved in this phenomenal program. How do they get in touch with you? So we have a few platforms. First and foremost, follow us on Instagram. The Girl Powered Instagram is G Powered, which is spelled G P O W E R. Also, we have a website up. It is simplygirlpowered.com. Check it out. Look it up. For myself, definitely follow me on Instagram. It is at Brittany Habib, spelled B-R-I-T-T-N-E-E-H-A-B-B-I-B. And I really hope that this conversation leads to more conversations. And if anybody wants to reach out to me a little bit further, definitely, if you don't have Instagram, just shoot me an email, which is Brittany at bell.net. My name is spelled the same way, Brittany at bell.net. And I'm very open to having a further and a deeper conversation about this. I know I spoke about a lot of controversial things in here, and I'm sure some people might want to have deeper conversations, and I'm, I am very open to that. So That's awesome. And before I wrap up, and, I, and I'm watching the clock here, I was so intrigued with your YouTube channel about your hair and the process of how you would go about washing your hair and the products that you would make for treatment for your hair. Share a little bit with us about that because I was like, this was awesome. I loved it, especially again, black hair has never been deemed as the right hair and now you know we know better now like we're getting better you know we are getting a lot better and so tell us about your youtube series of course definitely and i love that you brought that up please follow my youtube it's Brittany habib i've got a lot of great things on there but yes during this especially during this uh quarantine i i really I had so many people commenting about my hair. What do you do? It's looking great. What are you doing? What are you doing? And so I thought, you know what? Let me put together a couple of videos of what I do for my hair. This is my process. Do what you wish with it. But this is what's been helping me. It's been a really beautiful process because, um, like you said, our hair is so beautiful. It's so luscious. And with no natural products out there, I thought, you know what? I'm going to start making my own. And through trial and error and more trial, I've, I've triumphed and I, I found some really amazing homemade products that are just amazing for the hair. It promotes hair growth and shine and strength. And, you know, if you have any type of dandruff or, or scalp irritation, I've got a special hair tea that you spray into that hair. I've, I've started creating infused oils that you can rub on your scalp or if you're a man put that in your beard or rub it on your skin or put it on your face all natural organic ingredients that really take our melanin up to that next level mm, i love that 
Brittany Habib, you are a light. You are a joy. Uh, the energy ignites. It, it fires up. It makes you know that even in the fight against you, listen, you just step up and I keep going for it. As them say, oh, God bless, not a man can curse. Straight. And obviously, you are a gifted, talented, phenomenal woman in so many areas. And I'm so happy to have had you take the time to chat with me, to share your story, and of course, to exemplify the black magnificence and black excellence that you are. And I thank you for that. Thank you. And I, I really appreciate you having me and, and seeing what I do and appreciating that. And it means a lot more than you know. So I thank you. And I have wholeheartedly received all of your beautiful, kind words. So thank you. And looking forward to bringing you a next episode with more Blacknificence, more Black excellence. But much love and respect to Brittany. I adore her. She knows that, though. I'm your host, Carolyn Morris Walker. Thank you for joining me on the Urban Lifestyle Report, My Legacy Project. Mm-hmm.